Hey guys, very excited to invite you to ReformCon 2022 by this standard. ReformCon 2022, we have an amazing lineup of speakers. We have Dr. James White, Dr. Joe Boot, we have Toby Sumter, we have David Bonson. I'm speaking at the conference. It's going to be amazing. We have time where there's performances, there's going to be some entertainment. We have an after party, we have time for fellowship. So for all things ReformCon 2022, you just need to go to reformcon.org. You can go there to get your tickets. You can also go to reformcon.org to book your hotel and accommodations. Also, if you are a Christian business owner, you want to participate, you want to set up a booth, you want to be a vendor, we'd love to have you. You can do all of that at reformcon.org, and I'm looking forward to seeing you all there. Reformation Day weekend, ReformCon 2022, by this standard. Non-rock-a-boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? We're delusional. Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yes! Yes! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when no. they're not. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, and whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. That is Colossians 2 verses 1 through 5. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio. Got a little bit different lineup today. Uh, Pastor Jeff is in Houston, I believe. That's right. Mm-hmm. You're correct. <laughs> I had to think about it. Uh, he's in Houston speaking at a conference for our good friend, Bradley Pierce, who's been on here a number of times. So it's gonna be a fire conference. Yeah. I don't even know. I just know he's there. So anyways. Yeah, good speaker lineup. We've been busy. Uh so yes, wish I could be there. Um, but you just heard the voice of old Ballywind Zachary Conover. Yeah, that name has grown in ways that would surprise you. Really? Yeah. Like the instance I was just describing. Oh, oh, that's lack of breath and too much wind at times. (laughs) Didn't even put two and two together on that one. Uh, Very funny. Inside, inside. Uh, Very funny. Uh, Speaking of Bally wind, we are going back to Ireland here. We'll be there. We mentioned it last or two weeks ago, I think. Uh, We will be there 
um, early September. So like three weeks from now, we'll be there for about 10 days. So be watching. We're working on nailing down the speaking engagements and stuff like that. Uh, but very excited. For sh- We're planning on having, I shouldn't say for sure yet, but we're planning on having a uh, rally at the Capitol in Northern Ireland in Stormont. And uh, speaking at some other places as well to help our, br- help our brothers and sisters there with Let Them Live and Abolish Abortion Northern Ireland. So if you're there, uh, come see us. Joy, the girl to my left. Hello. How How's are you? Going? Good. Good. Doing good. Sully Deo Gloria. Mm-hmm. Feeling good. Yeah. I almost actually wore that shirt today, but. Oh, you guys would have well. been twinsies. <laughs> we would have. Little been twinsies. match. Yeah. yeah, on each side of you. It wasn't meant to be. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, you guys aren't looking for jobs, are you? No? I feel a segue coming on. <laughs> I, f- I think you guys um, are good with your... Are we looking for jobs? No. <laughs> uh, I, I don't believe you. Can you. Answer that. you would know if I'm I don't believe you are. <laughs> yeah. I was just curious because our just friends... give are, me some notice. Our friends of the Armored Republic are hiring. So if you were looking Ooh. for a job... Uh, okay. They're hiring... Um, did you know, Zachary Conover, the famous first battles of the American War for Independence, the battles of Lexington and Concord, have an important piece of history behind them. They were fought to resist the British taking away guns and ammunition from Americans living in those areas. Did you know that? I always wanted to read more history. Well, I'm going to give you some history. (laughs) Firearms are the first of primary tools of liberty, but a growing number of freemen... I love that term. Are realizing that firearms are only the beginning. The next most important tool of liberty is body armor, which we've which I've worn on this show. A defensive tool of liberty <laughs> to match the offensive capabilities of guns. This is where Armored Republic comes in. Armored Republic, previously known as AR five hundred armor, equips the free men of America with the tools of liberty that are necessary to defend their God given rights to the honor of Christ the King. We're reaching out to you because we need more hands at the plow. The Armored Republic is looking for more nearby Christians. So that would be if you're in the Phoenix area. Um, Lost my spot. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, There we go. Looking for more nearby Christians to take up opportunities in operations, marketing, sales, customer service, and elsewhere. Our workplace culture is built on 14 values that reflect the Ten Commandments and the rest of the wisdom communicated throughout scripture we work to be aggressively christian love that in all parts of the business and we work to consistently reward good stewards if you're interested in helping armed free men in america to resist tyranny check out the careers page on our website at ar500armor.com backslash careers love those guys we're glad to be partnering with them and speaking of people living aggressively christian I'm going to bring in our guest today, Dr. Benjamin Merkel from New St. Andrews College, who are we are now also partnering with. I am very, very excited about that. That's exciting. Yes. Uh, so, Ben, what's going on, brother? Not a whole lot. Very happy to be with you guys today. Uh, you are uh, on the beach, basically. <laughs> I, I am. I'm just a little, I'm a short distance from the beach, so... Uh, Wrapping up a business trip that, in um, the kindness of God, put me at Laguna Beach for the moment. So it's hard to complain about that. Yeah, we were set up at Ben. was like, oh, I shut the door so you couldn't hear the ocean. 
Thank you. It's true, actually. Thank it's you like for, thank you for sparing our, us. Our bedroom is like right on the beach. Yeah. As we're like dying here. Actually, it's been okay. It's, I've been here hot, for 15 bro. years, it's but hot. no, this is the most mild summer we've had that I can. It's been really mild. What is mild there? I don't think we've hit mean? 120 yet, have we? We're in August. Usually, August is like 120 the whole month, and I don't think we've hit it once this summer. It's rained a lot, which yeah, is good. Lots of, it's, so it's been humid. Is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Been, we've had humidity, but it but hasn't hit one twenty. Like one oh five. Yeah, that's not with a little breeze. I'll take it. Yeah. It's one ten and above that really yeah. sucks it out of you. When that's consistent week mm-hmm. over week over week like that, that's when it starts to wear. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So, anyways, um, I still wouldn't mind. But yeah, a, ocean a breeze breeze, coming but, off the ocean. Yeah, uh, we don't have that here at all. No, Ben's got the Ben's got the opposite problem in Moscow though, right? Yeah, that's true. Shoveling snow while we're shoveling sunshine. <laughs> how far are you guys? We do not. We have all four seasons. How far are you from the ocean? There, you're probably about the same as us. I'm guessing about five six hours. In, in Moscow, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's about a it's about a five hour drive to Seattle. Yeah, so you're basically oh, directly north of us. So that's about mm-hmm. what it is for us as well. Not to Seattle, to. Uh, <laughs> Right. The ocean, <laughs> right? I was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, that's hilarious. Uh, before we get into this, I wanted to mention. Uh, I just I, I learned here this morning that our our dear brother, Doctor Kenneth Talbot, went home to be with the Lord this morning. So wanted to give a little shout out to him. He's been such a dear friend and brother to us, and uh, spent a lot of time with us and and helped us. Um, so we're gonna miss him dearly and. That man, uh, that man could talk, uh, mm. and I loved it. And if, if and one thing I always loved about Doctor T is, you anytime I had a question about anything, he would literally pick up the phone and call you, call me, and it, you had to schedule a minimum of an hour because he would just keep going and be like, uh, "Doctor Talbot, isn't it like two a.m. your time?" <laughs> He's like, "Oh, I'm grading papers," <laughs> and I'm like, "You're crazy." Wow. Uh, but what a yeah, what a never sleep. What a wonderful man he was, and we're gonna miss him. And uh, Ben, I saw you nodding. Do you did you know Doctor Talbot? No, I didn't. Mm. I didn't. But I, I I'd heard about his passing. Yeah. And... So another president of another great uh, institution, uh, Whitfield uh, Seminary, Whitfield.edu. You guys can check that out. Uh, anyways, just wanted to say that before we go any further. But uh, okay, yeah. so. Ben, you got a lot going on, um, and we, you know, we were kind of talking about we were going to talk about this this episode, and there seems to be, and I was Zach has a really good parallel he wants to bring up at some point, but um, there's there's it seems to be a trend in higher education right now, and uh, yeah. so I'll just let you I'll let you open that up with that and tell us kind of what you want to talk about, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so when we were back and forth, yeah, I think one of the things that's really interesting right now just on the national scene is the way higher ed is kind of driven off the cliff. And it's kind of funny because everybody's been seeing it coming for a long time and nobody nobody bothered to prepare for it or adjust anything. And, and the cliff is um, over the last two years, I think we've had total enrollment across the U.S. has dropped by 1.4 million which is wow. just under 10% of total enrollment. I mean, that's crazy. And and the people are wanting to think it was the COVID moment and, and definitely COVID um, coincided with it and probably exacerbated a little bit. But this was mm-hmm. a cliff we were driving off regardless because 
you've got a, a demographic um, drop where, um, and, and like I said, this has been published on for a while that as the birth rate in the US has dropped, there's a demographic, uh, um, well, cliff that we've driven off where there, there aren't the students to go to fill the colleges, but nobody has adjusted or planned for it. But you take that and then you combine that with the fact that college is getting increasingly difficult to justify its usefulness. Yeah. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. why, um, why do you need, because, because what we've done is we've started saying that basically you have to have a college degree in order to get a job or yeah. in order to get a good job. And that's, that's a total con that colleges um, uh, perpetuate. Um, and there's a whole thing there. It's basically um, how do you how do you talk a incoming freshman who's 18 years old into signing up for 50 or $60,000 worth of student loans over the course of four years? Right. Um, you know, it, it's funny, like a student loan, think of what you have to do to um, qualify for debt in almost any other situation. The student loan is the only debt you qualify for by demonstrating that you can't possibly pay it back. <laughs> you know, like, like I don't have the money therefore you you get this this loan <laughs> you're and the only way you can justify <laughs> that is the and so we say well you have to have this degree to get this job but that's just becoming that's a lie and it's becoming increasingly exposed uh for that because i think a lot of companies are looking at college graduates and saying you know what i would do a better job getting an 18 year old and teaching myself it'd be far cheaper and far more effective for teaching them the skills that i want them to get so there, you've got that whole thing kind of getting unmasked. And then on top of all that, then you had the COVID moment. So with all those things happening together, you've seen this, this complete drop in uh, enrollment. And, and But you don't see colleges doing anything to prepare for it. And you know, the argument I'd make is, I think I include this in the email with you, is that colleges are demonstrating the same kind of hubris that we were seeing, say, like um, banks do. Mm -hmm. uh, 12 years ago, where, where they have this sense that I'm too big to fail. America can't go without me. So whatever happens, the federal government will come in and bail us out. Mm. Um, we, we know that somewhere over the next couple of weeks, supposedly, I mean, Biden keeps saying he's going to make this decision, but we've been told that he's going to make the decision in August about student loan forgiveness. Um, and that's that's ignoring the fact that a lot of other student loan forgiveness has been happening. Billions have been forgiven already, just kind of quietly on the side. But there's a big student loan forgiveness package that's coming, and it's just another one of those federal government bailouts for an industry that believes it's too big to fail. So we we call it, you know, you got big, big pharma, big tech, big Eva, and so uh, we're kind of starting to talk about big ed. Um, yeah, big ed is the the bloated bureaucracy of the American college system that believes that it, it exists by sort of like federal decree. And that mm -hmm. it's subject to the free market and the demands uh, or lack of demand from the free market because the federal government is responsible to keep big ed alive. Yeah, there's okay. So there's a number of things I want to. So many things address. You can say about I that. know. Yeah. yeah, we could go for hours. This, but the one thing I want to say real quick is that the the student loan forgiveness, yeah, uh, right. right, it's not free. Somebody's paying no. for it. <laughs> Right. Well, and they haven't stopped issuing. Yeah. They're forgiving loans that they haven't stopped. Yeah. Issuing. No. Yeah. And, and and right now, one of the other big major initiatives um, is the um, all the colleges are pushing for this, and I think it's highly likely this will go through is to double the size of the Pell Grant. They want to double the Pell Grant, 
um, which is, well, from the student's perspective, is totally free. I'm not paying that yeah, back, and sure. that's supposed to double. And so I think we'll probably have student loan forgiveness and a double Pell Grant in the very near future. Which, And like you... Uh, and that'll I, help inflation a lot. I, I was just yeah. thinking about that um, student loan forgiveness. It's not an elimination of debt. It's a transference yeah, of debt exactly. from one party to another party mm-hmm. that wasn't responsible for paying it back. Right. Yeah. So it's a form of institutionalized theft. Exactly. Correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's it's really ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Um, so so going back, one other thing I want to mention is just my own experience, going back to what you were saying some somewhere in there, because uh, uh, you had so many good points. Um, mm-hmm. You know, before I was full-time ministry, and this was actually kind of partially what put me into full-time ministry um but like i i have a degree in construction management and i you know i had a ton of student loan debt and all that stuff which praise god i'm finally free of but um you know that was that was my background and my degree and all that and you know you what you were saying was you you're told in order to get a job you know you have to have a degree and stuff and uh growing up in the construction industry like i you know i was i bit into that and got this fancy degree and then um you know that did help me get to arizona that's another story but like when the, the my point is that was when the economy was good uh-huh. it was helpful but as soon as 2008 hit and it hit hard here in the housing industry and the construction industry everything came to a standstill um my degree was yeah. worthless it was just a piece yeah. of paper and when it came down to it uh the people that were worse actually hiring were hiring uh, people with experience and they could care less about the degree, you know, and I have, yeah. I only had, you know, a year and a half of actual project manager experience at that point in my life and nobody cared about it and I could yeah. get a job, you know, and praise God again, that was him orchestrating me, pushing me into full-time ministry. But, but my point is I, I lived that it happened. And, uh, you know, I've, I say this all the time, like you're better off going to trade school or starting your own business, uh, and, and, and getting debt that way if you need to then you know to mm-hmm. have a piece of paper that's going to put you at mcdonald's working minimum wage um right. you know and of course that gets in a whole nother issue in the workforce right now with yeah nobody wants to work because of sleepy joe handing them money to sit at home and uh you know i'm sure it's the same yeah. in, i'm sure it's the same in moscow here like literally everywhere you go they're assigned to say hiring oh yeah everywhere it's, it's still a it's lot. crazy in moscow how much um yeah, the, everybody is hiring. It's really impossible to get employees, and especially in the construction industry. Um, you know, there's a lot of construction happening, but there, well, we really l- lack the skilled tradesmen to do it. it Dr. Merkel, I see. Um, I, I worked at a university as an enrollment counselor for five years before coming here. So our okay. whole job—you're part of the problem. I'm our just... whole job was to get <laughs> enrollments, to get people to commit to yeah. a degree program. And they were sold mm-hmm. on that very premise. Did that, you have a quota? Sure. Yeah, yeah. five enrollments a, yeah, a and, month and, per minimum. And the, and the line is the line is so so um, you're going to take out this amount of student loans. Right. So I'm going to show you the ROI. This is the salary of the yes, job exactly yeah. that you'll get with this degree, and that that's the it. And it's um it's comforting to parents because right. as parents like I mean. I'm I'm sitting here just uh, we were just talking earlier. I just had my first daughter get married. All of my kids have just finished high school in the last few years. So five years, five kids really tight. And this 
it's a really, um, I don't think I've prayed more for my kids than during this moment because you're, you're waiting to see like, what are you going to be, you know, what are you going to do? What, and, and to have a degree that, that tells you they will be this mm. is really nice. It's, it's comforting. You know, you're sending your kids away for school and you know, okay, yeah. she's enrolled in nursing. So that's so security. No, okay. Right. Yeah. The problem, the problem is, you know, um, at best, only 70% of them are going to finish with that degree. Some universities have like a 20, 25% degree completion rate mm. where you're signing up for these loans and everything for a degree that maybe one out of four are going to get at a, at a, at a decent school, three out of four will get the odds of them staying in that field. Uh, or first of all, the odds of them staying in that degree, they're going to switch once they get into school, they start to see other things. And then the odds of them staying in the field that they graduated that degree with are also extremely slim. Hardly mm. anybody works in the field that they majored in. Wow. So the idea that we're teaching them the necessary, you know, that we're certifying them for the necessary um, professional skills they'll need for this employment, it really is, it really is for the most part a con. Now, I, I believe that there are certain careers, actually nursing is probably one of them, sure. where the 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 technical skills that you're being certified for and what's going to go on in employment actually do line up. Nursing mm. is like that. I think some forms of engineering mm. are like that, but most of, most of the other fields, it's, it's not nearly as neat and tidy mm. as that. And we all tend to move laterally multiple times. My undergraduate degree is chemistry. I'm a liberal arts college president, but what sense does that make? Yeah. Uh, you know, you were, you were, you were, you were construction management and, um, I'm not even sure what your title is now. The producer of a podcast or pastor? <laughs> yeah, discipleship um, pastor. You know, like how how do you how do you how do you plot the necessary degree that you needed for doing the work yeah. that you do now that uh, gives you all those professional skills? It's just kind of a con, I think. I, I think it highlights something really important that I think I got from you, if I remember correctly, when you're talking about education with young people. This is never the conversation that I had with someone. Not what do you want to do, uh, but what kind of person do you want to become, right? That is yeah. the determining basis for how we should educate a human being based on who you should become. And that even changes the center of the discussion about education. I know that when I have these conversations with uh, you know, nephews and nieces in my own family, I ask them, oh, what are you going to do in college? What are you going to study? What are you going there for? Uh, and they tell me, oh, orthodontics or whatever. And yeah. I'll say, oh, well, why do you want to do that? And they say, well, it'll make me money. Mm. And that yeah. is what I find to be the common answer when you ask mm. our youth why they're pursuing the directions that they are and the careers that they are. Well, because um, security or just it'll make me money, uh, not mm. this is who it'll train me to be, to be yeah. a difference maker in society and to be a leader and an yeah. innovator. It's to help prepare me to fit nicely and neatly into this box over here and this box over here. And I need this specializing piece of paper in order to complete that journey, which really, I mean, if you think about it, it kind of pulls away from, you know, it, it produces what you're talking about. Big pharma, yeah. big ed, kind of this cult of experts, right? Yeah. We have this, these group of all these experts that know how to do yeah. these specific things, whereas the common man, the localized solution to the problem, whether we're talking about education or any other field, that's kind of, you know, pushed to the wayside. And we have all these experts and now you need to listen to the experts because we're the experts yeah. in this field. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I, I agree. I think that you're, you, you touched on something there that, that is really important, which is um, there, there's a very subtle change in the way we think that's actually quite profound about like who we are, what it is to be created in the image of God, what a person is and all that. Um, because we have, have taken this idea of, first of all, everybody has to go to college to get a job yeah. and you have to get the certificate that qualifies you for this job. It makes this little path that everybody has to walk and it makes you really scared if you step off of it. Um, like the idea is if you don't do it just right, you're going to be a barista for life. You know, you're going to be a, would you like fries <laughs> with that? And that's the only thing, that's the only thing you'll be able to do. And so everybody is terrified of that. And um, and what happens is it makes the world into this machine, this like worrying machine. And all of us are trying like like your goal in life is to be a good cog, you know, right. uh, for that machine, because if you don't do it right, if you don't get the right degree and whatnot, then the machine is going to reject you and you'll be the barista for life. Mm. And and parents are terrified of their children not being accepted by the machine and everything right. we do. And if you think about it, that machine is controlled by a really godless society that's trying to make us be something um, that is, I think, antithetical to what we're yeah. called to be. But if you if you flip that for a moment, like what's the difference between being that kind of cog? Well, it's being a free man, um, being somebody to go back to your your plug for yeah. um, AR 500 or sorry, what's the, <laughs> yeah, the Republic. Armored Republic. OK, though, there yeah. we go. Yeah. That idea of being a free man, um, it's it's totally different. Like uh, if you if you get your head up and you look at the world around you, you realize, I mean, let, let's go ahead and say I would like to make a lot of money. All right. I don't think that's necessarily wrong. Um, I, I would I would like to, to to make a lot of money. You know what? Entrepreneurial business and the the idea that like I'm going to go start something, I'm going to start the business that doesn't exist yet. I'm going to start the business. That there's not even a degree for yet. That's what free people do. And yeah. that's what leaders do. The ones who are actually shaping our economy. And, and by um, believing we have to follow this path, we rob ourselves of the chance to be the free people who are actually shaping the society. Um, I would like to see our graduates make a lot of money, but I'd also like to see them uh, start churches. I'd like to see them start faithful families. They should be leading and shaping the culture rather than sort of passively receiving and having that thing imprinted on them so they can be a perfect cog. Mm -hmm. Well, and, um, you know, even as we just talk about that in light of student loans there, the Bible has something to say yes. about a borrower mm. and yeah. them being yeah. slave to the lender. Right. And so, yeah, we have this sort of this image of like security, like now I know my kid or now I know if I just enroll in this program, I'll be set. Right. And then I'll have this return of investment and uh, return on investment and it'll all be good. And I'm set for my whole life. And, but, um, I mean, just the, the statistics on how long it takes people to pay off their student loans and the amount of interest oh, yeah. that they pay off. And you're talking about people, people who faithfully pay their monthly payment. And then six months into that they go and they see what kind of dent they've made and they're like i haven't even yeah. i mean that's not security that's definitely <laughs> slavery for sure you know who else was secure well, and, and it, <laughs> israelites under you, pharaoh you rate, like, look at the impact that having student loan debt has on you in those first couple of years after you graduate from college because here's your chance to like go out and start something um that's the moment it's a really exciting moment when you graduate from college and it's like go tackle the world mm. um I, I love seeing nsa students graduates i mean i have one graduate who you know he told me like he tried about 
three or four different things and a couple of them went really badly for him. He has ended up like living out of his car for a while, but it was because he was being risky and like, you know, trying things. And he's a very successful CFO of uh, impressive. He did his MBA at Notre Dame and is impressive CFO of a company in, in New Jersey now, but he, you don't get to be, have those kinds of skills without taking risk and, and being adventurous but you will not take risk and you will not be adventurous when you have that student loan debt hang over you. And so people, um, they don't go into the ministry because they have student loan debt. They don't teach at a Christian school because they've got student loan debt and the salary is too low. A lot of people put off marriage because mm -hmm. they've got student yep, exactly. debt or they'll put off having children because exactly. they've got student loan debt. Yep. Yep. And all, all those things that we need for our culture to be growing, society to be advancing, um, we're crippling ourselves with this with this system. Man, that's so good. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have you talk about NSA in a second. Uh, but I mean, we were obviously all raised in this culture where you know you go to college and the American dream and all this stuff. That piece of paper. Uh, that piece of paper. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I you know I know all of us are now <laughs> uh, in a different position how we're raising our yeah our children right. For like sure. you have a daughter, you have a daughter. I have two daughters and. Um, you know, my wife and I were talking about this just recently, you know, my oldest is almost 12. She's got s several years yet, but it's going to come like a freight train. Right. Like, and you know, you know, my wife's like, we're, we're raising our daughters to be good moms, right? Like mm -hmm. that's what we want them to be. And that's what they want to be. And my wife's like, well, what if they want, what if they want to go to college? And I was like, well, then they're going to go to NSA. <laughs> right like that's the option like, and the reason is because i want them to be better uh christians in the world and i want them to be better mothers and that would be the answer for me you know yeah. unless, you know unless they went in, like the cooking school or something like that you know this you is know? some toxic so, like, patriarchy so, yeah, going like, on up in there maybe there's, maybe there's like a, a degree in knitting or something i don't know like you know uh actually my great aunt who i just praise guy i got to spend some time with her i haven't seen her in like 18 years i got to spend time with her about a month ago she actually was uh she has her doctorate i forget what her doctorate's in but she was at eastern michigan she taught she was a home ec professor in college uh you know so that is it is a thing huh uh yeah that's what she taught and anyways um so ben i want you because we you know it's been a while since we had you on probably a lot of new listeners why is New St. Andrews far superior to uh, higher ed colleges, yeah. to state colleges, state universities, stuff like that? To big ed? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it's probably a little bit, um, you know, the first half of the show is, um, you know, I, I think probably a lot of things I'm saying ring really true. And then you sort of scratch your head that it's a college president that's saying it because right. this is the stuff that we, <laughs> we should be covering up and not telling anybody about. Um, but I, um, NSA is quite a bit different. It's really interesting. So I talked about that um, enrollment, you know, cliff that everybody's driving off of. NSA, we've had record freshman classes for the last three years in a row. Um, I think in the last five years, we've just about doubled the size of the undergraduate student wow. body. It's it's just really, really taking off. Um, so we're exploding right now. And the reason is that we're doing something very different. Um, and actually, I would, let me, re, let me rephrase that. Um, we're doing what college used to do, um, which is um, because for well over a thousand years, the Christian college has been absolutely essential and formative in the advance of Christian culture. Um, 
it it has always been. I mean, there's a reason when Calvin, you know, one of his first things in Geneva was to make sure that he had a strong college uh, there in Geneva to advance what he's doing. When the Puritan pilgrims landed on the east coast of the American continent, one of the first things they did was start Harvard because they believed they needed. I mean, it's really crazy if you think about it. They're like, it's in the first 20 years of landing on the coast. And so there's only a few thousand pilgrims that are living there. They're still carving out log cabins and all of that. And they start Harvard. And and here's the crazy thing. You had to be fluent in Latin in order to be accepted. Um, You know, the, the classes, the lectures were delivered in Latin. So you're like, you know, chopping down the tree, making your log cabin and then practicing your Latin so you can get into Harvard. Um, They, they had an understanding of intellectual rigor and particularly intellectual rigor that was, that was understood in the, in the, in the context of Christian community as being essential for passing on what they were doing. But there's a few things that, that was clear. First of all, they did not believe that college was for everyone. I just think that that's, that's a, that's a, um, Mm. I think that's a really unfair and unjust thing to do to expect that everybody is supposed to go to college. I just, um, it is a it is a specific thing to help cultivate a specific set of skills, but it's not for everybody, and it's not necessary for getting into every job. So the the attempt to push college in to make it the the necessary step you have to go through in order to get into the workforce has been a con, I think, per- perpetuated by colleges on the American mm-hmm. public in order for them to grow and charge yeah. massive tuition and whatnot. But that's just. We don't, um, colleges don't prepare people for specific jobs that well. I think that internships, apprenticeships are far better ways of learning that. Yeah. So the first thing is it's, it's not necessarily for everybody. And the, the second thing is that it's not about, um, again, I don't think that we're good at preparing people for specific technical skills that are better learned on the job. What colleges are really good at, and, and you, you can, I think we do it well, is digging down into the the soft skills of the person, communication, critical thinking, the ability to read, to write, to speak, to persuade, to argue. Those those things are things that we do really well. And and the thing that that you notice about it is it's um, it's not career specific. They tend to be skills that can go any number of different directions. Um, they're really the skills of, of um, cultural leadership. Yeah. You know, the, the, the liberal arts, I think I've mentioned this before, it comes from the Latin word liber, which is the Latin word for a free man as opposed to the hireling. And the liberal arts were the skills that you, that you use to inculcate people who are going to be leaders of your culture. To, you're, you're inculcating what it means to be able to think and act and behave in a free way. And I do think, though, that there are even more required now than ever before, because it was, if we were to go back even just a hundred years, it, the, the idea that you would just have one skill and perform that one skill for your whole life is pretty expected. But now there's, uh, everybody is expected to, to transition and to be able to shift laterally all the time. And, and that, um, that's where a liberal arts education helps you to be able to not so much to know just the skills for this, but to know how to learn, how to process, how to adapt, how to uh, communicate. Those are those are skills that trend uh, that that move laterally very quickly, but then also tend to move you up into leadership positions. 
And I think that that's something that that we do really well. And I think more people are seeing the advantage of that. I have I have more um, very successful um, businessmen um, writing me, wanting to meet with me, trying to figure out how can I intern NSA students in my career. Wow. Like the the jobs for an NSA graduate are all over the place with with great paychecks. But it's because they're looking for people that are not indoctrinated in woke culture, that are that are um, that are generally capable, that won't show up to work hungover or you know whoever knows what what was going on the night before. That kind of thing is in in high demand right now, and I think that's one of the reasons why we're just exploding at the moment. What uh, I don't know if you know these stats or not. What is the uh, percentage graduation rate? for NSA students and do you happen to know like a job placement rate once post-graduation? Yeah. So, yeah. So because we're so small, everything tends to be anecdotal, but like graduation rate, our graduation six year degree completion rate would be 70%. Um, we have uh, our, I'll, I'll say we have a, a, a healthy attrition due to marriage. Um, you know, <laughs> a, a couple of, yeah. Couple of, it's it's hard to stay going to school when you've now got a wife and two kids and you started as a single freshman, but now you know. So so there's there's a decent attrition rate from from that, but it's about seventy percent is our six year degree completion rate. Job placement, I'll be honest, I've never seen an NSA student who walked out and then didn't get a job. Yeah, I mean that, that it's um one of the things we do is we don't have dorms, we don't have dorms. And we don't do student loans. And that means that when students come to NSA, they're getting an apartment and they're getting a job to work. Yeah. And they're, you know, most of them are working through college. And, and so when they graduate, the transition to uh, work is, I mean, that's just, of course, what you do. I don't, I mean, how would you not go sure. get a job, get, get to work? Um, as well as I would also say, we do require them all to be worshiping at a local evangelical church. We yeah. don't say which one, but they, they have to be at a church. And so the, when you graduate, you start a family, you get a job and you get into a church and that's yeah. just kind of what you do. It's because it's what you've been doing. Yeah. Well, that's, that's actually, those, and those are really great distinctions to make. And, uh, and this isn't, this is important. I, I know the answer to this, but there may be people listening that don't, but, um, I'm curious what the graduation percentage rate for uh, big ed colleges are, the average, because I can't remember what it is. But the reason I'm asking that is I know there's a lot of pressure from those universities and colleges to graduate those students because then they get more money from yeah. the big government, <laughs> right, from yeah. the feds. And you guys don't take money from the feds. You don't take take governmental money. And so there isn't that pressure and so that's, I know, one reason why the education, the quality of the education is so much better and richer because you're not just trying to push kids through with a degree. You're actually mm -hmm. taking the time to make sure they're, they're learning. And when they leave, they are uh, uh, products of a good education, not products of the state. Yeah. And you can teach what you want. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I think that not, we don't take any federal money during COVID. We didn't take any of the PPP money. And then there was also a state allotment. Uh, I got a phone call from the state. They wanted to give us, I forget, it was 200,000 or something. It was no, they kept saying it's no strings attached, nothing. We said, no, we don't want it. 
And then uh, shortly after, well, shortly after, about a year and a half later, all of a sudden they announced, oh, by the way, none of that money could have been spent on uh, religious, uh, for religious purposes. So Christian wow. colleges that took it are now going, how do I, how do I go back and, and deal with this? Uh, but yeah, we, we do not take uh, federal or state money. We stay out of it um, completely. Mm. Um, Dr. Merkel, I had a question for you. I was curious to ask you about, um, you mentioned everything that NSA is trying to do, and it's relatively recent in terms of its existence, right? It hasn't been yeah. around for that long. And you, you're right. You look at the landscape of Christian colleges, universities. I can't, it's hard. It's difficult for me to think in my mind, one that's been around for longer than 50 or 75 or a hundred years now that still remains rigorously committed to its Christian foundations and scripture, if you will. Yeah. And I was just curious, um, why is that? Why? I mean, I, I have an idea of what I think, but I like, I'd be curious to hear from you why that is. I think, I mean, the thing that I notice, and, and I don't know that I can quantify this or anything, but the thing that I've noticed in trend, you know, moving into being a college president and starting to show up at all the various college president functions is seeing the way that um, higher ed administration, the number one skill that is being cultivated um, or, or selected as you, as you move your, your way up in the ranks is the ability to demonstrate compliance. Um, there, there are so many layers of restriction and, and whatnot on colleges from um, your accreditation, your state authorization, and then uh, and then all the federal financial aid. There, and most of it comes in at that federal financial aid level. There are so many restrictions that you're constantly trying to demonstrate compliance. And, and, and when, once you have cultivated your entire leadership, um, you know, class is all about the ability to demonstrate compliance, you become an institution that is just going to easily be pressed into whatever cultural phenomena is going on. Um, and it's at the administrative level, but even at the faculty, everything is peer reviewed, everything. And so, so you're always trying to um, comply. And I think it's really interesting because like in the free market, the thing that is the thing that really sets you apart is when everybody breaks left and you break right and you're out on your own and you step into that space where nobody was. And it's terrifying, like really terrifying to be there. But that's where all the action happens. And that's where like people get truly uh, promoted. You have that in your in your um, in your intro segment. I, I caught that quote from Doug about uh the contrast between the the um, the brave men yeah. and then the people yeah. who come along and write the biographies yeah. afterward. Well, that's the the brave man that goes there. But but college leadership is really set up so that man, if you if you break right, you're toast. You're really toast, and nobody would do it. Um, and so I, I think that our call and and I think that federal money has been a really really big part of it. There's also um, you know, the evangelical, like we, we think that the greatest virtue is being nice. So we don't mm -hmm. want to do the, thing. Um, we want to be people pleasers. Yeah. We wanna, so a lot of that plays in there as well. I, I think too, I think all of that makes sense. But when I think about it, I also think about, you mentioned Harvard and how that was originally founded. And the motto of the school was from John chapter 17 is to know yeah. God and Jesus Christ. That's the bottom of all knowledge. That's the foundation okay. of it all. So it's an explicitly Christian foundation for knowledge. And I think where I see 
schools that have professed Christianity had this rigorous doctrinal commitment and they kind of trail away or they back off of that and compromise with what's going on in the culture is we've kind of believed in this lie also of intellectual neutrality that oh, yeah, this yeah. is just a common ground for all of us. Knowledge isn't ethical. It's not covenantal. Christ isn't at the bottom of wisdom and knowledge, the verse that you read, <laughs> Luke, so, at the it's beginning. It's sort of this like, ex, like romantic exploratory pursuit, like learning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it doesn't have that Christian foundation. This is kind of a, a neutral sphere. This is a common ground. There aren't ethical implications for knowledge. And so we can just kind of appeal to the secular world um, on their own premise. We don't yeah. have to be rigorously tied to this anchor, but the problem, of course, with that is as soon as you start arguing on the premise of your enemy, it doesn't matter. You're on the train and it's going a direction. You're going that way, whether you want to or not. Right. And all of these institutions that have grown into big pharma, big ed, we do a lot of work with pro-life, pro-life movement. In many ways, the pro-life movement is big pro-life yeah. <laughs> in the sense Absolutely, that yeah. they have adopted secular foundations for their reasoning in their strategies and manner of engagement with the world, right? How can we appeal to people? Um, not from an explicitly Christian foundation. Right. How do we get them using their argumentation, bring them in with that humanism and then go, oh, what we're really about is this. This is who yeah. we really are when we've kind of, you know, committed, uh, it's, we've been false yeah. with our, our intentions from the right. beginning. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna ask you. Do you, you guys you remember like on Sesame Street when there was like which one of these does not belong? Mm -hmm. Do Do you feel like that, Ben? When you go to all these like uh, <laughs> yeah. president, pre college which president things, one of these things? kids is doing his own thing. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's me in the corner. <laughs> I'm sure as soon as you start talking, it's it's obvious. Uh, two two things so I want when I when I go to those meetings, it is it. I am so I feel so awkward and just like yeah. <laughs> That's it's hilarious. Weird. That's hilarious. Um, so two things I wanted to touch on. Uh, one, you, you brought up something in my mind. It's kind of loosely related, but, um, you know, talking about uh, free men and, you know, the the founders of our nation starting colleges. And by weren't like, I think all of the Ivy League schools were Christian at their foundations, weren't they? Many. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, I was listening to, I just finished actually this really excellent series on the canon plus app on the war of independence doug taught a bunch of those and steve wilkins and uh but one of the things i don't remember who who was teaching and which lesson it was but uh they were saying that like during the war of independence they the and this is literally the reverse of what i would have thought like i think he said the average the standard of living for an, the americans was like five times greater than that of the englishmen and I and it like hmm. blew my mind, and I was like, "Wait, what?" I had to rewind it and listen to it again. But it's because of everything you were just saying, they were free. Uh, yeah. You know, they came over here, they started their own business from scratch, literally, and they had the freedom. It's because they were free to do what they wanted to do, yeah. and they didn't have a tyrannical overlord telling them how to live their lives. And we've obviously come far from that. But well, yeah. the other, um, you know, I'm stealing this from Doug as well. I remember one of the comments he made that just kind of has always stuck with me was um, when those, when those pilgrims first landed on the uh, Eastern coast of America, um, how many jobs were there? You know, <laughs> how many jobs were there, yeah. but how much work was there? Yeah. Um, and, and the difference between the hireling and the free man 
is the hireling looks for jobs and the free man looks for work. You know, where 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 I see what I could do and what I could do mm. with it versus I get permission from somebody to work for them. It, it's it's a very yeah. it's two very different things. That's man. That's an excellent point. That's really good. Um, yeah. So this next thing I want I want Jordan to chime in on this. Uh, you know, us men know that God gives us our wives because we need help and uh we need to help me and my wife texted me she said you sound like a chauvinist i was joking earlier about the the knitting and all that stuff. oh yeah totally uh but i want to i want to but she she brought up a good point i want because i want joy to tag in on this and uh i mean if, for those of you listening that don't know uh ben's father-in-law is doug wilson and so that's either a good thing or a bad thing i'm not sure for us it's a good thing <laughs> but that may it's a good thing for me yeah it's a good thing for you and we we've i've joked with you before like uh you know i don't i don't flatter people just for the sake of flattery ben is a very intelligent man i look up to him he's one of the smartest people i know but uh you've probably written the least out of anyone into the family you married it to and like you know that includes becca your wife and rachel and um let's and, not forget nate yeah, yeah but I, I'm, I'm focusing yeah. on the women specifically because my my wife texted me she said you know like you, doug has said like to not educate uh our daughters is to not educate our grandsons and so you know when i was joking about that earlier my you know my point is like yeah i still want my daughters to not be just dumb dumbs that stay at home yeah. and you know cook things like i still want them to be intelligent and be able because they're going to then teach my grandkids and um so i just wanted to hear i i thought i'm glad she she brought that up and it's a great point and i wanted to hear joy's thoughts on that well i mean i like the distinction that you made ben about a job versus work um and i think that uh being a wife and a mom or even just a single lady in the church is there's a lot of work for women especially work done uh, cheerfully and faithfully. Um, and I, I do think it's a little unfortunate that we've started to view the tasks and work for women as a job that you kind of clock in and out of. And I think it's created, mm. well, it's created laziness. And then I think there's entitlement that kind of jumps on once the mm. laziness yeah. goes by. Sure. Um, and yeah, so I think that um, obviously I, I think women should be educated. Yeah. I think that, you know, goes without saying. Um, and I think that there are, there's plenty of education that can be accessed without attending, um, you know, a building. Sure. Um, and, and so that when, whether or not you would actually go attend at an, a physical school would be totally your business. Mm-hmm. And I would recommend if, if you're a lady, a young lady listening, your father's business, certainly <laughs> um, ask, ask your dad and your mom. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, uh, I, there's a lot of work for women that may not require you to go to a building. But I also think that um, uh, all the very smart and shrewd women that I know seek more uh maybe more formally educated work in a clever way as a means to um you know obviously there's like people who write books there's that's an enormous contribution uh becca has made an enormous Mm -hmm. contribution 
Um, that's Ben's wife for any of you guys that don't yeah. know that. Um, and then, um, you know, you're making it, you're making an enormous contribution to the education of your own children. Um, but there's also, I mean, there's also, uh, no problem at all with a woman that, um, is clever in the way that she works to maybe even bring extra money into yeah. her household. Right. Um, and all of those things do not uh, preclude formal education. Uh, so that would just be something that you would have to make sure you're, you, I mean, you would just have to approach school intelligently, which I think yeah. is something that we just need to do more mm-hmm. in general. In general. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think, I think the thing is, if, if you make that distinction between, um, you know, I have to get this job and or I have to get this degree in order to get this job. Once you do that, then it makes all college education about formal um, uh, career and employment. And if you have a woman who aspires to be a wife and a mom, then you've made college education kind of um, an, an unnecessary, possibly even an impediment. But if you say that, no, 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 the, the college is, it's not for everybody, but for those for whom it fits with their natural talents and whatnot, um, it's about making you a certain kind of person. Well, then all of a sudden, it's a great place for um, young women to be as well. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be because they have a, uh, a feminist agenda or whatever career aspiration. Um, it could be, I want to be a really good wife and mom, and that's why I'm going to college. I know that that was really why NSA was first started was because Becca um, was the first student. Um, my my three daughters, my my oldest daughter just graduated. Um, and uh, actually the f- funny thing is, is she's about to go to cooking school for three months. And it's, it's purely for- <laughs> That's <laughs> irony right there. <laughs> yeah, it's purely for the heck of it. It's sort of That's like, uh, yeah, I know she's treating herself. She's going to the Cordon Bleu school nice. cooking. Cool. Because I, I think she just wants the adventure. Um, but, uh, but she did NSA to be a certain kind of person. Um, and, and, you know, um, a lot of this, you know, is honestly my wife's book, even exile, I think kind of captures a lot of what mm-hmm. we're describing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it was, it's a documentary on the Canon app, but the other thing is yesterday, I think another documentary just dropped called, um, come and welcome or something like that. It's about, um, uh, hosting people. It's, it's like for women on um, hosting company, mm. the thing is funny about it is my, my daughter, the one who's headed to cooking school, she's the one who produced the whole thing. Um, wow. She's quite, quite talented and it comes out of that NSA education, but it's not because this is, you yeah. know, she's aspiring to be a full time in this field. Yeah. Um, but awesome. all, all of my daughters are going through uh, NSA because I want them to be this kind of person. Yeah. Come and see is what it's called in yeah. case anyone's interested. Okay. Well, and then certainly I don't think it's wrong, uh, you know, because education is more about the type of person you want to be. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that little 30 percent drop off rate if you do happen to find someone yeah (laughs) and and you just you know you're like you said there there's some back-to-back kids and all of a sudden you're like oh this is not i'm busy continuing (laughs) this education right (laughs) Right. now is not a a, you know um but that's that it just goes back to it's so funny because women are painted as this marginalized Mm -hmm. group but what we're talking about is the free woman that is free to say um, I, I was going to school 
and now I can yeah. go be a wife and a mom. Yeah. Um, I can lay my life down this way right, right now. Yeah. yeah. So, Ben, when you asked Doug to uh, pursue Becca, was he like, yes, you can marry her and if you become the president of NSA? <laughs> <laughs> Doug, it's so funny because everybody thinks that when I like for me to go and pursue Becca and go talk to Doug about Becca must have been like terrifying. Like he would be this like really scary, whatever. Um, Doug was the coolest dad ever, uh, as far as um I think I was making maybe five hundred dollars a month. I was living at this apartment called the crack house, and all I had was a motorcycle. Um and and like after my motorcycle, my next most valuable possession was probably my watch. Um, and uh, so the fact that I thought I was ready to marry somebody is hilarious. And Doug was utterly unfazed by it. And he was always far more concerned about, um, you know, what was my faithfulness? What are my ambitions? What kind of man do I want to be? And I think he saw he saw what what I was going to be and um that was just never really a weird, um, big part of the conversation, yeah. strangely. That's hilarious. And, you know, I actually, we've been uh, uh, listening to a series um, with my daughters that, that your mother-in-law did, Nancy, uh, mm. called Keep It Simple. And it, it's for young teenage girls. It's about dating and boys and all this stuff. And there was several stories she's told about your wife that had me die and laughing but i think one of them i think it was becca because she was saying that she was like uh she had she had she said she still has a hard time saying no um and uh and there was a story about some some young man that wanted to speak to her or call her on the phone or something and she's like well you you know you gotta ask my dad or whatever and and she approached doug about it and doug was like well said something about like uh, you can do better than a boring person or something like something along those lines. And so, yeah, yeah. She, so she just tells him like, no, uh, you know, I can do better than a boring person or something like something very direct like that. It was hilarious. So you're laughing. But, uh, not much has changed. I don't think. Uh, but uh, anyways, I just was laughing. Um, well, speaking of, of Beck, I, I actually, we played the reform con. This is a good place to talk about this. We played the reform con uh, commercial at the beginning um, it's coming up very quickly, um, and so we'd love to have you guys there. Jeff did not mention uh, Ben's name because he did that prior to us locking Ben in, but Ben's going to be speaking there as well. I'm very, very excited about that, and he'll be bringing Becca with him. Looking forward to it. And Becca is doing a mashup with Sheologians, um, so Joy and Summer, who will have had just That's given birth. Um, so I had <laughs> She'll to, have, yeah. Oh, there may be a baby on stage. Two, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but looking very very forward to that and very yeah. excited about about that opportunity yeah, as well so i wanted to mention that so come check it out reformcon.org you can get your tickets there um anything else you want to add i don't think so this has been great anything else you want to add ben anything you want to add um i i'll give the closing observation would be that um i think that um um, the evangelical church, we've been entirely pre-mill about our approach oh. to education. So, um, yeah, every, everything is about um, we're always on the defense and trying to figure out how to get out of and how to not have that impact us. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the premillennial thing has always been uh, don't build institutions because they're just going to be taken over by liberals. Um, and, and I think we, we see, we've seen through that in certain places. I don't know that we've seen through it in Ed. And the one thing I would say is it's time that we retake the schools and we probably are going to have to build them. 
Um, yep, but uh, right. we should we should quit backing up, quit reversing, quit abandoning, quit surrendering, and we should start retaking and building our own because uh, this land is still price, and we need to um, build the institutions that are going to graduate the leaders to lead it. Oof. So bizarre Oof. to me that Christians say that as yeah. if, you know, we think about the church, Jesus is building his church and he's using us as his partners to do that. Should we not build that institution? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's an institution, yeah. you know, yeah. but all of these other fields under Christ's lordship, as you just said, yeah, matter just as much. Man, I, I, I love that. I'm so glad you said that. And I, Colossians chapter one has been so impactful on me just you know, Christ came to reconcile all things, heaven and earth, and and that's part of our part of the mission of the church is to reconcile all things. And that includes education. You know, I, that's yeah. such a great point that you brought up. The the church is really. Why do you think uh, all the uh, Ivy League schools are trash? Why are they all woke? Uh, mm -hmm. Because the Christians abandoned them. Because we were, you know, and it has to do with eschatology. Instead of thinking long term and. Uh, the way that the founders of those institutions thought, you know, now we switch to just waiting to be raptured off. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, I mean, but you're, you're right in that, you know, those institutions are, are gone. I think, you know, I mm -hmm. think it's much easier. It's going to be a much easier task. Like you said, to just start new ones yeah. um, with that forward thinking and, and just say, all right, you, you know, that's a lot of, it's going to take out way too much work and effort to try to, to reestablish those those institutions. Oh, well, we eventually, talk about that, yeah. eventually, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, because of the decline in population and being the problem behind enrollment, right. eventually those buildings will just sit vacant, That's and then the right. Christians can buy Bingo. them up. That's right. And uh, we'll Thanks put for we'll put back the stained glass and Bingo. <laughs> yeah, Bingo. That's what you guys are doing in Moscow, right? I mean, build buildings. Of that, yeah. yeah, reclaiming those. Buildings. You literally, yeah, because you literally basically. It wasn't quite a brothel, but it was pretty close. <laughs> Talk yeah, about we, redeeming. It's yeah. great. I, I mentioned all the growth and enrollment. So we bought this old, it was a skeezy nightclub called Cadillac Jacks. Still has the stripper pole up in the, in the first floor. But we bought that and we've been going through gutting it and just turning it into classrooms. And the first section of all new classrooms and everything just came online last week. And we got it done just in time for this new um huge uh freshman class and they're all in classes in that building now oh, that's awesome Pretty you're gonna just yeah. keep wow. that stripper pole with the sign that says in memoriam like just <laughs> is there my... uh, I, mean... I, keep, I keep joking that i'm waiting for that donor who's like i want to pay to bring that thing down so we can finish the building that's funny he can have the pole but i we'll actually yeah. we tear down the asher pole yeah we we had the pleasure of going to a fundraiser there when you had just got it i think and it was gross yeah. It was oh yeah like I mean we went did a tour of the whole thing and it was I mean you like didn't want to touch the walls like it was yeah. just it was nasty like it was like oh man I I spent way too long with the previous owner trying to land that deal walking through that building and getting to know him and and the stories are pretty intense Ugh. but if you came now parts of it parts of it are still like oh that's scary but parts of it you'd walk in and you would not recognize whatsoever it's just completely different mm. praise god that's what we're talking about that's taking great. dominion reconciling even cadillac jacks that's right so, yeah bye jack <laughs> so hit the road jack. <laughs> <laughs> 
Awesome, man. Well, thank you, brother, for being on. Uh, I appreciate it a ton, and we'll we'll definitely be doing more with you here in the future, and we look forward to having you here uh, with I'm us in October. I'm my time down there. All right. Well, guys, any closing thoughts? No, good show. Mm-hmm. Good show. Uh, as always, thank you to our supporters. Uh, speaking of uh, higher, or not higher, but better education, uh, you can get a free Bonson U account at Apologia Studios mm-hmm. by signing up. Uh, there's a plethora of lectures and goodies. There are like over 3,000. He has so. a lot to say about education. He did too, have a lot so. to say about education. Um, so you can go there, check that out. Thank you everyone for supporting an abortion now um, and uh, our efforts there. Uh, as we've discussed, uh, the falling of Roe is just the beginning and we have a long ways to go. And uh, that's, you know, that's why Jeff's speaking in Houston right now. He was in Georgia last week meeting with uh, legislators. We're going to have a bill in Georgia this year. I'm very excited about it. I just was speaking with Brian Gunter in Louisiana, getting ready to plan the rally and the bill again next year in Louisiana. And uh, I see we got Trey Trey Fisher's on the chat mm-hmm. today. Um, and uh, love you, Trey. Uh, but anyways, thank you, everyone. You make this happen. So praise God for that. And uh, we will see you next week. Next week.